Hello everyone, welcome to SNIT. Studies in National and International Development is the longest running weekly interdisciplinary seminar series at Queen's University. Since 1983, SNIT has proudly hosted prominent Canadian and international scholars who bring fresh perspectives to issues of local, national, and global development. Please share our podcast with friends, family, and colleagues. We're glad to have you with us. Um, so welcome again. Uh, although we come to you virtually, the seminar series called Studies in National and International Development is hosted by Queen's University, which is located on the traditional territories of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy and the Anishinaabek Nation. This territory is included in the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, which is an agreement between the Anishinaabe, Mississaugas, and more recently the Haudenosaunee to peaceably share and care for resources around the Great Lakes, including on the shores of Lake Ontario, where Queen's University sits. SNID has long been committed to hosting anti-colonial scholars and practitioners, and our SNID speakers for this year, including today's, um, are no exception. My name is Carolyn Prouse. I'm an assistant professor in geography and planning here at Queen's, and I co-chair this series with Dr. Aicha Tomach of Cultural Studies and, Gen and Global Development Studies. And so I'm going to turn it over to Aicha right now to give a little fuller introduction to what SNID is. Hi, folks. Uh, welcome to the very first SNED event of 2022-2023 uh, academic year. Uh, on behalf of co-chairs, myself, uh, Aicha Tomac and Carolyn Prouse, and our new coordinator, Monique Asunsao, I welcome you to the longest-running interdisciplinary seminar series at Queen's University. Since 1983, SNED has proudly hosted prominent Canadian and international scholars who bring fresh perspectives to issues of local, national, and global development. Uh, following this long tradition of uh, SNID, we have been working on an event lineup this year, which not only focuses on addressing current issues and events around the globe, but also fosters collaboration with scholars and colleagues across departments and disciplines, disciplines at Queen's and beyond. Following this session's timely discussion on Brazilian elections, uh, next week we will welcome Dr. Brian Mukandi on a discussion on education and Black radical tradition. On October 20th and 27th, we will have two book launches that touch upon capitalism and dispossession from local and global perspectives. Then we will have two panels, uh, details to come, on affordable housing in Kingston uh, and Ontario uh, and the 2022 FIFA World Cup, which will happen in Qatar. We will end the term with a collaboration with Dr. Vanessa Thompson of Black Studies. Uh, I believe this will be the first uh, quote-unquote mini-series within SNED. Uh, that will speak to uh, legacies of war, uh, imperialisms, racisms, and transnational feminist solidarities. Uh, I will post this list uh, shortly in the chat. Uh, we are thrilled to be hosting these events this term, and uh, we are hoping to see you all again. Uh, if you're not already part of our listserv, please feel free to email our uh, SNED email, which will be in the chat as well. With that, I'm turning to Carolyn again, who will introduce our speaker for today. Thanks, Aicha. Uh, so I'm delighted to announce or introduce today's speaker. Um, Jose Marcelo Zaki has a law degree from the Universidade de São Paulo and a Master's of Public Administration from Harvard University. 
He's worked in the areas of social and urban development, public security and civil rights, and has worked across a variety of organizations, including a special advisor to the State Secretariat of Social Assistance and Human Rights of Rio de Janeiro, um, Chief of Staff of the National Secretariat for Public Security of the Ministry of Justice, and as a consultant to UN Habitat. He's most recently helped create the Nucleo Sumama, um, which has been an organization and space that develops policy agendas for different political parties. Um, and they as a group, which includes our student coordinator, Moniki, um, have been working in earnest in the lead up to this year's hugely significant federal general elections, which are set to take place on October 2nd, so just in a couple of weeks. Um, and we'll hear a little bit more about some of the context of that today and um, some of Jose's specific work around um, policy agendas. Um, so with that, I will hand it over to Jose, who will speak for about 30 to 40 minutes, and then we will have a question and answer period um, and hope to make this a dynamic discussion around what's going on uh, today in Brazil. Um, so you can pop questions in the chat as we go, um, or you can wait till the end and use the raise hand feature. However you'd like to um, engage with us is fine. Uh, so with that, I will hand it over to Jose. Hi, Caroline. Uh, well, thank you. You, Aisha, for the invitation. Great pleasure to be here to join you in this conversation. Actually, uh, less than a couple of weeks for the first round of the national elections on October 2nd. And I mentioned this because there, there is more than ever, I think it's safe to say, a huge degree of not an expectation, but anxiety towards what's going to happen election day. So people are literally uh, counting down um, day by day. So if you meet someone, say, now it's nine days to go, eight days to go, seven, so less than a couple of weeks because it will be counting. And also, pleasure to be here with Monique and should thank her for the invitation as well. As Carolyn mentioned, I have been working together in the last months in uh, building up this new space called the uh, Sumauma, aimed uh, at fostering the development of new um, <clears throat> um, policy agendas for the uh, uh, progressive uh, side in Brazil. Um, but uh, I uh, uh, more than thank you, I should also apologize for not necessarily having my English in best shape. So um, uh, my excuse in advance for any mistake. Uh, but, uh, and I uh, was proposed that to bring this perspective, this perspective on Brazilian elections. And in a, I'd say in a regular context, it could and should be a conversation on, you know, what's the uh, policy agendas and choices uh, uh, um, <clears throat> at stake in, in the election, in the electoral uh, debate, and more specific dimensions of the, of the public agenda, and, and so on and so forth. Um, however, um, and I think that for people that have been some extent following the Brazil's and, and Brazilian politics at this moment and, and in recent years, um, we must say that it's, it's, it's not a regular context uh, in which, um, you know, the, the debate and the public attention is, is focusing on, on regular policy uh, debate and, and choices. We've been um, dealing with a more, you know, um, challenge for more fundamental dimensions of the public life, like the base consensus on, on um, 
collective values of you know universal citizenship, the protection of the environment, uh, a shared view on on a sustainable and inclusive development as, as shared goals, some fundamental on democratic principles, uh, mutual tolerance and, and, and coexistence, um, respect to science, science, culture, academics, and, and, and scientific and cultural thinking and, and, and knowledge and, and production. So we're much more dealing with uh, what the meaning the meanings are for different political choices in the election day uh, regarding these basic uh, principles and, and dimensions. Then with uh, uh, electoral debate concentrated on economic policy choices or social agenda as a more specific task to go ahead uh, in, 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 in particular dimensions of say education or health policies and, and, and so on. Um, um, so I think it's inevitable to, to focus the context in, in what, what this debate is, what's at stake. Of course, to some extent, it's not particular to Brazil at this moment. Many other uh, democracies and democratic countries have been dealing with similar um, contests and crossroads as the ones I just, I just mentioned. Um, but I think it's always like this. You always have a mix in this case of, you know, um, the the impact of global the global context and, and external uh, vectors, and and uh, dimensions that are particular uh, to each uh, country, to each uh, local context, national context. So I thought that it could be uh, useful to try to bring a perspective on what we are now, where we are now. Um, in what regards this these basic principles and also how how did you get here? Um, um, <clears throat> you probably have been following not only um, the last four years of uh, um, President Bolsonaro's term, and I think many of you, if you've been following Brazil, uh, are aware that we're basically dealing with one example among others in the international arena at this moment of uh, clearly uh, far right, and, um, uh, not necessarily democratic uh, government uh, um, um, in charge. Uh, Bolsonaro is a former uh, army officer, he's been um, um, uh, dismissed by the army, actually, he in the end resigned, but facing a uh, um, <clears throat> disciplinary um, uh, procedure in the early 90s for planning some, actually has planning to bomb the, the system of the water uh, uh, system, public water system in, in Rio as a way of protest against low, um, 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 <clears throat> low salaries for the army at that moment. So he was expelled. And started a political career at at, at the, the very beginning, basically dealing with uh, as a, a hero of of uh, defending the you know low ranks of the army and kind of uh, unionist uh, union leader, um, but very early as uh, a champion of 
uh, the defense of the former military dictatorship dictatorship that Brazil had from the late 60s until the early 80s, uh, up to 20th century, of course. Um, so claiming that we were better off at that moment and defending the military uh, regime and also being a, a champion of anti-human rights uh, and, and democratic values and, and agendas, uh, let's say very aggressively uh, with even a, a degree of brutality and vulgarity. So like uh, telling to a, 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 a congressmate, a woman, uh, that you know, should I, I do? I, 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 I wouldn't rape you because you don't deserve it. Like in a in a in a parliament debate, things like that. So just one example among, you know, uh, vast uh, uh, repertoire of of similar um, situations. Uh, I would prefer to have a dead son than a than a gay son or. Uh, um, and, and, and very clearly, clearly openly racist uh, as well. Um, uh, the military dictatorship mistake was that just killed uh, some few hundred people. We should have killed 30,000 people in this country would be much. So like uh, openly, my point is very aggressively and openly uh, playing this role of uh, uh, expressing uh, anti-democratic values um, uh, um, and, and confronting the, the, the process of, of the implementation and consolidation of, of the democratic environment in, in the country and this perspective of citizenship and so on. So at, at, until very recently, of course, it was taken almost as, you know, something marginal, um, almost anecdotal, even though, uh, tragic and, 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 and brutal, but not really uh, relevant. Uh, no one would take him seriously until a few years ago. I used to say that there is this scene in, in Back to the Future when Michael J. Fox is trying to persuade the scientist that created the machine, the time machine, that he, he had come from 1985 at that moment. He was in the 50s or 60s. And, uh, and, uh, and the man asked him, so, okay, let's consider you, 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 you were right, you came from 19, who's the president of the United States at that moment? So it's Ronald Reagan. Hey, the actor, you definitely did not come from 1985, you're kidding. So if you, if you go back to 1995 or 2000 Brazil and say, hey, I came from 2022, so who's the president? Oh, it's uh, the, uh, 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 the Congressman Jair Bolsonaro. People say, hey, you're kidding, this, it's impossible, it would never happen. Uh, and, and it also brings us to four years of what I call, you now having in Latin America, this literary tradition of what's called a fantastic realism, you know, kind of a great succession of, of unlikely um, um, <clears throat> um, uh, fantastic uh, uh, <clears throat> episodes that are, that are part of, of our literature to like emulate and our, the ability of, of our culture to produce this. And I say, it's still like, I still feel like those who have read Gabriel Garcia Marx, uh, 100 Years of Solitude, <clears throat> there is a city in Macondo, it's the place of this, this town and everything, the fantastic happens in a day-by-day -day basis and it's kind of incredible. 
we feel like I feel like living in in a in a in a fantastic uh, realist context. Has, um, <clears throat> um, so the debate about the Amazon, you know, the Amazon is 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 being devastated and the fire because of the NGOs or some infiltrates. So every kind of conspiracy conspiration theory. Uh, being being promoted by the the, the president in <clears throat> and uh, in a regular basis, and then of course taking being taken seriously in the public debate, and you find yourself dealing with a, a really uh, um, uh, unusual uh, debate. Again, one could argue that well, it's not a privilege of Brazil. People that have been following the United States some years ago would have could say that well, we have similar debates. Uh, um, but just to bring, uh, uh, so it's it's uh, openly for right movement that has always been uh, an enthusiast of authoritarian regimes, and clearly keeps trying to undermine the democratic institutions and an open way for, say, either a coup or uh, 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 as other regimes and in the world with these characters today. Uh, undermine from inside the democratic context and being able, little by little, implement an authoritarian uh, context. Uh, uh, up to we are now in 2022, so let's say 10 years ago, it's not that in 1995 people would say, hey, you were kidding, it did not come from 2022. It's impossible that this guy is present and this is, that, and this is the context we've been, you know, we have gone through for very successful democrat transition, we have um, um, <clears throat> consecrated, I'd say a, a hundred years of little uh, uh, building up of uh, a citizenry uh, a consensus, uh, uh, different sectors of society that would embrace a more modernized and generous, inclusive, democratic approach to Brazilian society. We've been able to translate this reasonably, of course, far from enoughly, but reasonably into the you know our constitution, our public institutions. Then we've been making pro clear progresses in this direction. We are now debating how fast we are moving or should move, how deep we should be able to go, what is enough, what definitely is not enough, and. And, and, and degrees of inclusiveness and democracy that we have, have far from um, uh, uh, fulfill the promise of the constitution and things like that. People would say this, it's, it's impossible that we are gonna be five or 10 years dealing with this and have this kind of debate and having Bolsonaro as president. So 10 years ago, not only the internal perspective about Brazil, but also I'd say the average global international perspective of Brazil would be of a country that has had done, had gone through for this kind of process I just mentioned uh, now. Uh, and people would consider that, you know, the basic fundamentals of, of democracy are clearly consolidated. We are now discussing how we can truly universalize rights, truly uh, deepen uh, democratic practice, practices, um, open the political system for a new uh, actors and sectors, increase the uh, representativeness of our public arena and sphere, uh, uh, move further in either economic development and social development policies after being successful and stabilizing our 
you know, macroeconomics and, and the economic system and, and management, and to implement a quite reasonable welfare system in terms of education health. So it should improve quality. We should uh, expand uh, the ability to uh, tackle inequalities uh, in the different dimensions in the country. But we had, we had been able to build up institutional systems and policies uh, to move towards these directions. So what happened? How did we move from that to, to now? Um, and I, I think it can be used to, to spend the other half of, of, of this initial um, um, talk and speech um, trying to go a little bit um, back into the past. I think I should bring something on history here to to um, to answer this question and to come back to the to the, the present. So I just mentioned that you know Brazil would be regarded as a country that was doing satisfactorily well in promoting implementing democracy, a welfare system, a stable uh, economic and, and and political system, and, and so on. And they've been doing significant progresses in, in dealing with the, the environment and you know um, uh, uh, the conservation agenda broadly and specifically regarding the Amazon as a, by far the uh, bigger and most valuable natural resource of the country among others. Um, so what happened? Um, and and also in these recent years start to become common sense in Brazil to say that, well, we thought it was like this, but actually this is a country that was founded upon um, a pattern of, of uh, inequality, uh, slavery, you know, a very tough uh, colonial uh, history. Um, um, and, and so I, I, I develop a little more on this. So, but it's, it's becoming common sense to say that's what we truly are. We must acknowledge that we have been always these and essentially these and no more than this. So let's go. I, I think we have a big challenge here in trying to make a precise balance uh, between this different approach. So we've been doing a lot of progress towards democracy, uh, you know, a modern society with solid institutions, inclusive and so on, in one extreme. And the other one is, well, it's completely false. And we are basically what we have been since the very first day of the colonial process in the country. But let's go back a little bit. It's definitely true that this is a country uh, that was uh, founded upon a huge degree of inequality and a deeply uh, hierarchical uh, society. More than this, of course, uh, built upon uh, the slavery for 400, four centuries as also basic foundation of this uh, society and its economic system and, and its structure. And also, of course, of course its culture and social uh, uh, relations. Um, so this degree of inequality of hierarchy and enough in the very beginning in this slavery slave context uh, um, a kind of societal of cases um, is has been always 
it's clear part of, of the foundations of the country. Um, it's definitely true that it was founded with a basically predatory spirit in the sense that you know it's a, it's a very generous big territory, uh, very generous in terms of natural uh, resources. So we, for many centuries, had an economic system is certain in the spirit there was about uh, explore in a predatory basis these resources in the most profitable way in the in the short term and you know after the exhaust lands in the northeast with sugarcane plantations you can always move to, to the land uh, upsides or or, 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 or or create gold mines in, in the in the in the south in the southeast of the country and then many centuries later, you can open the the the, uh, the savannas in the Midwest and and the and the, and the Amazon forest to to uh, plant uh, soy and and, and 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 create cattle and and so on. So as I said, it's big. So this this kind of this pattern of of predation, both at the collective level and of uh, on the say entrepreneurial level. At an individual level, is always very part of our DNA of the economic system, and what I'm calling here is spirit. Um, so, and it of course goes to the wealthiest people in the country, but say pioneers in the Amazon are people that would move from the south, and not really wealth people, or from the, from the northeast, uh, with the expectation and and in this. Culture and the spirit that just meant the 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 the, the, the expectation of a legitimate uh, right to uh, go in a new land and also open this land either to you know mine or or plant something or to to sell the the, the wood. Uh, so it, it, I'm just suggesting that of course it's it's true for the. For the uh, wealthiest and the and the and people in the top of that hierarchical society that I mentioned, but it also penetrates our culture. Uh, uh, if you are going to to um, uh, be an entrepreneur in, in, in your economic fields, you, you, you can't do things like this. Um, <clears throat> and also, a country that that. Uh, regardless, being not completely unfairly recognizing, you know, as an open, uh, uh, open-minded, uh, uh, with the spirit open to, you know, dance and and, and sensuality and and and, and uh, interpersonal meetings and joy. These things have become also values of, of Brazilian culture, and and sometimes clearly caricaturally. Uh, became a part of the global imaginary to us, the country, this place of you know soccer and dance and, and joy and, and so on. But it's also true that we have been uh, founded upon a very conservative, morally uh, and, and, and culturally conservative uh, structure of, of values. In the very first place, uh, 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 through the central presence of the not only the Catholic Church. But but the the, uh, the the company of the Jesus company company of Jesus I'm not sure what's the how how, the, how it translates into English but 
but also uh, 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 sectors and actors in the Catholic Church with a clearly conservative spirit and, and, and approach. And, 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 and it's also very much entrenched in our culture. It, uh, when I started, Carolyn mentioned my work with UN Habitat and other international agencies. And it, it, at a point, some years ago, I, I've been doing a lot of work in Latin America, in other countries in Latin America. And it always surprised me uh, the extent to which those countries and people and societies in those countries could be much more open to, say, debating, you know, new uh, drug policies or attitudes toward abortion laws and, and policies than Brazil. So it's not that it could come, should, Brazil would be more conservative and have more uh, this kind of issues and more taboos than, say, Canada or Norway or, or, or other European countries or whatever. It's true if you compare Brazil to Colombia or Chile or Argentina or Uruguay. And, and for me, as a Brazilian, in, in the very first month, it was surprising and maybe, you know, intriguing. So what's, what explains this? Why should, and it's counterintuitive to some extent, if you take in consideration that other image of, you know, a culture of joy and dance and openness. And, but it's true. And it's clearly been appropriated by not now the, the Catholic Church, but the now uh, Pentecostal and evangelical church that it's a clearly huge religions and societal a phenomenon in Brazil in the last say three decades and also a reinvigorated uh, 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 um, the centrality of, of a conservative feeling uh, uh, on, on moral and cultural issues and when you put all this together in a state that built upon this these this elements uh, clearly, in the very beginning, was made in a, also to, uh, with an authoritarian uh, spirit and DNA, even though, uh, I'll come back to the even though, but authoritarian and connected with that, what I call it, predatory spirit, uh, uh, patrimonialist, as, as we would say in, in Portuguese. So uh, I state that would basically welcome and manage uh, 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 the, the different agendas and, and access to resource by different groups of interest in society. Anyway, from the very beginning, applied a clearly low ability to, 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 to play its role in a Republican, truly Republican and, and Democrat universal uh, way. And it also opened room, not only for a hierarchical society that would be composed by a small wealth elite in a large um, uh, and mostly black and post-slavor um, uh, uh, base of society, but also a kind of middle class use it to, access, to, to, to have uh, privileged access to public resources and, and, and services and very, also very conservative and very zealous of, 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 of its uh, otherwise weak, fragile privilege. So uh, it's clear that if you change something in the structure of the society, not only the welfare people, but also this, um, this what I'm calling this, privileged middle classes uh, in the private sector and also entrenched into uh, the state structure uh, would react, as we just said in recent years, very, very um, um, decisively, let's say like this. Um, so it's part of history, and what I'm suggesting is that even though I think it's also caricatural to say, well, it's basically what Brazil is, we can tell the story, say, well, it's the departure point, 
and gradually throughout the last century and a half of being an independent country, we started to create a base of more open and, and, and modern, but to some degree open to you know, a more modern, contemporary, inclusive, universal approach for society in some sectors of the Brazilian elites. More than this, we created a structure of a strong civil society uh, you know, with trade unions, with important social movements, with progressive actors, also the religions uh, sector and, and, and different um, 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 church, uh, a degree of quite solid and important universities and, and, and you know, an academic environment that would be able to create an, a, a sense of national thought and an agenda for national development, more generals, more open. It's also true, rich cultural, autonomous cultural life with a beautiful a degree of, you know, um, cultural identities and expressions that are very particular uh, to Brazil. And so it's also fruit of a century and a half of societal development. So is there. And these are the things and the sectors and the actors that uh, uh, little by little to part of the history were, were able to open room for democratizing process, either institutionally and, and, and in society as a whole. And I used to say, more or less as a, it's a kind of sounds as a joke, but it's also a, a serious proposal what happened from 2013 on. We had 2000 in this, this eclosion, this eruption of social uh, street protests. And it, it, it was really impressive because overnight you had thousands, uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people on the streets with completely different claims uh, 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 completely different positions in the political spectrum, sharing the streets and protesting against the government and, 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 and the, 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 the progress of our public sphere. And, I, and, and it was quite hard to understand them because you would look at this and say, hey, there are people from the left, from the very left here, there are people from the right, from the far right here. Uh, how, how can you read this? What's happening here? Nah? And I say it was an eruption, but to some extent, I say that uh, the, the Democrat consensus that was built in Brazil from the late 70s to the late 80s, and that was consecrated by the 1988 Brazilian constitution, uh, it was really, uh, for the first time you had something that we can call a constitution in the sense that it was something that would that would uh, incorporate the sense of a social contract. The, 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 the constitutional process was one that very different sectors of society uh, uh, were represented there. If you study what that process was, it was really a negotiated process with a clear disposition and an assess for compromise between the sector to be able to reach a constitutional tax. And, 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 and it synthesized the, you know, a collective agreement and it established the, the grounds for um, a project of not only implementing an institutionally democratic system, but a, a degree of, you know, a basic universal rights, also social and economic universal rights, and a kind of a, a, a welfare state that would be able to provide and to deliver that rights over time. So it was, it really laid the grounds for a significant degree of plural democratic life, and we are now going to go to the 19th 
national presidential elections since then, and we have alternance of power, different political sectors and actors taking place as we never had before in our history. It was very celebrated and, and keeping this basic. And I like to say that in 2013, uh, this, this consensus in the country split uh, between people that, that thought that we had, we had gone uh, 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 too far and people that thought that, that we had, that we had uh, 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 moved too little. So basically, you would find people from the left, leftist progressive say, say, okay, it may be true that we have many that made some progress in tackling inequalities and providing welfare, but hey, look at this. You clearly see a, a still completely unequal culture in, in, in racial uh, and, and gender terms, in, in, in considering our, our slavery. in the last two decades, but clearly still challenge. We have a disagree of, you know, social economic inequalities that is still one of the uh, 50, one of the 10 uh, more unequal quarters in the world, regardless of the measure that you, and the index that you would, uh, <clears throat> take and so on. So uh, this progress is fake and we are telling a, a, a history of success that, that um, <clears throat> uh, neglects uh, all these non-fulfilled promises of democracy and inclusion and citizenship. And on the other hand, you had a lot of groups that say, hey, um, um, uh, well, not openly say have been too far, have gone too far, but uh, expressing the, the, the say, um, uh, fears and, 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 and discontentment towards uh, having had uh, 12 years at that moment, 13, 11 years at the moment of, of a leftist government, uh, 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 pr promising, even if slowly, making movements towards changing some, some fundamental elements of the Brazilian society and, and structure. Um, and not only these 11 years, but from that perspective, 30 years of, of, of this approach. And they say, hey, it did not deliver the economic progress that would, we would expect. Um, we have been undermining our ability you know, to explore our resources, to, to focus on economic growth. And of course, it would appear uh, uh, a little bit later. Uh, in this case, uh, uh, it had been expressed by a critical to, to, to the, the, the permanence and prevalence of, of corruption practices and true corruption practices in, in the Brazilian state and Brazilian practice. But I'm just suggesting that it some, to some extent um, 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 catalyzed this, this broader feeling of discontentment. But basically uh, what I just call it, the, the, what well, has been a consensus from the 1980s, uh, uh, um, faced its limits, uh, and and Brazilian society split between these clearly different uh, 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 approaches and and, and 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 feelings. And then, from that moment until 2018, we had gone through a process of political and institutional turmoil the whole process of what 
one side of the story would call the impeachment of President Dilma. The other side of the, 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 the story would call an institutional uh, coup. Uh, so following the, 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 the constitutional procedures, but clear uh, and legitimate and with no, no ground, no legal grounds. Uh, and moved by the desire of removing the, the president, not only not, not really for for legal um, for a legal basis, but anyway, even this this difference in how we should call this process tells about the divisions in the society. In 2018, would be a moment it was the electoral process uh, where we learned how. How we should learn how that process would land in political terms. So, what should be the new would be the new topography of Brazilian politics? And basically, in the afterwards of this this you know process of institutional political turmoil and, and societal divisiveness, uh, this guy that was almost anecdotal, marginal, uh, and he was very skillful and 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 identified the opportunity some years before and started doing his homework in little by little bit in support among this new um, far right and, 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 and frustrated sectors of, of Brazilian society uh, edges. Um, but anyway, this guy, uh, even though being a, a Congress person for more than 30 years, so, and, and, and playing a role in also most uh, political parties are completely part of the establishment and deeply involved in the corruption scandals and so on. So was that as in, he was someone that by his uh, background would never be taken as an outsider. But anyway, he, as I said before, was very um, um, uh, aggressive and, and, and even perform, performantly in, in, in playing this, this role of an outsider within congresses and so on. So he was uh, identified by the Brazilian electorate as this outsider, anti-system, anti, uh, political system, a guy and champion, and was able to, to be elected president. Uh, if there is someone or if there was someone here that follows Brazil from closely and, and have a an identity with the left side of, of policy to say, okay, it's true, but former President Lula was in a very controversial judicial uh, process, uh, uh, um, legally uh, banned from that election, and the history, the story could have been other if he was able to run. Uh, we will never know. I think it's a clearly solid argument if you look at you know, the, the political appeal and, 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 and place of, of, of former President Lula in the Brazilian political spectrum. But regarding 2018, it was also true that there were a huge degree of, of a, a diffuse feeling against the former Workers' Party governments. So we never know. But anyway, this very fact, after Bolsonaro took uh, 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 charge and also in face of the fact that he also gradually, gradually for the pursuit of, of his supporters, just, but frustrated expectations. He, he was elected upon a, a platform of, you know, being a champion of liberal economic policies and liberal economic reforms. And it's clear he was not able, not really keen to deliver, but he was, was a guy that is 
the enthusiasm of the military uh, developmental approach is much more state-centered uh, than, than a liberal uh, regime. So it was clearly kind of fake and should not expect him of, of truly being able to, to be a champion of, of, of deep radical liberal transitions. But people from some sectors of, of the economic elites and liberal would think him about being a kind of Brazilian Pinochet, like, you know, this guy from the, from the army that's open room for a true liberal agenda in the country. Uh, uh, in a true liberal agenda that otherwise would be impossible. But he did not deliver this. He was elected upon a platform of tough on crime and you know reforms on public security. And it's, it's still part, of course, of his discourse and, and public discourse, but you cannot trace this back to uh, institutional reforms or you know uh, budgetary investments in the police and so on. So this frustration also began this. Um, should not, not even mention corruption and it was clearly not delivered. And then, then came the pandemics. And let's say, well, as, as in other dimensions, followed a Trump, uh, uh, former President Trump in the US approach to this, but it's saying uh, even, even more uh, cruder, more, more uh, um, uh, uh, full. Approach, full, full approach to this. And so the inability and even the responsibility in dealing with you know, public challenge became little by little, I'd say clear to different sectors of society. And then slowly he was moving back to this impressive uh, base of kind of 30% of the Brazilian electorate that is still support him, but the other 20, 25% that he had in 2018 to be able to, to win a, a president's election uh, has been eroding since then. And of course, an open room for uh, what should be the alternatives. And as the kind of the controversial part of the judicial process that had uh, uh, led to the Brazilian President Lula uh, judgment and, and arrest became evident for a bunch of reasons. Uh, the, the, process, the process again being, have been also uh, uh, overruled by the Supreme Court. court. And, and President Lula was able to uh, have, have his political rights back. And then basically it created a situation in which say the, the uh, uh, 2018 expected playoffs after 2013. So we have here the Workers' Party legacy and the government and this frustration and this emergency and, and growing off uh, uh, rights and, and even far right uh, feeling against this. Uh, so let's see what the new topography is going to be. Uh, this, this, this dispute, what I'm calling this playoff, uh, would, would have taken place in, in, in 2018 if, if Lula was, were able to, be, to run as a candidate. And since he, he, he was not, and then he had the political rights back, I'm just saying that it basically postponing this, this, this dispute to, to this, this, this elections. And then we have had, just to finish up, a lot of efforts um, uh, from the political center in trying to, to create and enforce alternative uh, um, uh, candidates to, to open a space between uh, Bolsonaro and, and Lula. But I'd say this political space was just not there. We have a president in charge 
that is able to represent what he became able to represent in 2018 elections and to preserve, even as an incumbent, uh, this at least 30% of electorate. And you have this former president, uh, also very popular, and that would never have more less than 40% of, of the electorate. He has been, he's, he's run for the first time in 1989. And since then, he, uh, the worst party always had at least 30% of the, the presidential vote. So we basically did not have this space and we are now going into this election that's basically about uh, 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 to answer this question, who is gonna, who is gonna be legitimated by, by the Brazilian electorate to, to set the grounds for the post 2013 and these recent years. Because if Bolsonaro is reelected, then it's an equivocal, okay, that's the, the will of this society. It's not only because a specific contest of turmoil and, and divisionists. So it's definitely being legitimate. So even with these countries that I mentioned, of course, clearly, I'm not an enthusiast of this. I'd say briefly, being a Democrat, but it's true. And if Lula is elected, then, then basically it's about, okay, we have, we have this crash in our political system. But it's, he's going to be elected not only as the Bocas Party uh, candidate and, and representative, but uh, a representative of the 1988 uh, Constitutional Pact. Even now, there is a, a clear process of different people in the Democrat sphere, people had, that have run presidential elections against him, being his run, his run made in the, in, in, in the election and, and supporting him with this, this, sense, this feeling that it's about choosing between these completely different uh, ways. And then if he's elected, then it really legitimizes this path and open the way for retake this path. And then say in four years from now, again, having different actors that today is are supporting Lula, even uh, 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 running against each other in a normal democrat plural environment. So I'd say this is more or less the context. I have fulfilled the time. I'm glad to be able to questions here. Thank you so much, Jose. You have just given us such an amazing historical context for what's going on today in quite a short period of time, given the long history of uh, Brazilian politics. So thank you for that. Um, I really appreciate how you grounded it in um, like the foundations of Brazil, right? Like the histories of slavery and inequality. Um, so if you have questions to the audience, please put them in the chat or you can raise your hand either way. We'll, um, we can, we'll go through them that way. I do have a question to kick us off, maybe as people are thinking of their own. Um, and it's actually about the electorate. Uh, so you mentioned this like privileged Brazilian middle class. And I'm wondering, like, we often hear that the Workers' Party, like Lula and Dilma, helped create a work, helped create a middle class, right, with a lot of their kind of like cash transfer programs and just a lot of the, the Workers' um, Party development kinds of, of projects. Is this new, like, the the privileged middle class, that class that the Workers' Party has like helped create, or is this a different group of people that have had historical kinds of privileges already and already have this sense of entitlement to, you know, different kinds of power in Brazil? Um, relatedly, is there like a swing vote in Brazil? Because when I speak with Brazilians, like there's often like a hardcore, either you're one or the other, you're not really in the middle. Is there a group of people who are kind of in the middle that can be swung one way or the other? Um, and then also relatedly, how does the evangelical church fit in? So like people who have maybe historically voted for 
a more workers party government um like how has the church potentially changed those votes that may have once been for lula um have they changed like is there because that's that's a lot of what i hear sometimes is people that may have once voted for lula may now vote farther right because of of the influence of the evangelical church Um, so three kind of interrelated questions about the electorate and how people are voting should i take these questions and so now i should take more questions before um it's up to you joan i mean jonas we're happy to have you ask a question now too if you'd like i think uh, maybe you can hear jonas and then i I can do this together. Okay, uh, thank you, Jose Marcelo, Zaki, for the talking. Um, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the car wash operation. I, I would define 2018 election, a car wash operation election. I also want to, you know, since you are, we are talking about democracy, I just want to question this kind of political regime a little bit because if you want to really think about democracy in the sense that we have a sovereign state, you know, that we can have the right to choose our leaders, Brazil is not a democracy, let alone independent state, right? We don't have our really true independence yet. I'll tell you why. The car wash operation was an operation that somehow, and I believe because the Le Monde published that, was the influence of the USA in Brazil. We have Dilma, a woman that was violently, you know, out from the system. It was a coup, and I, I don't know if you know, but the MEP said that, you know, they uh, said it was not charged. They didn't lay any charge against Dilma recently after six years. It was a coup d'état. But we have the, the USA. You have those Harvard boys, Delta Dallagnol, Moro, Barroso. And a couple of students from Harvard, that's very interesting, a anti-corruption group that, that was behind the car wash operation. They went there, they silenced our president, 80% of approval when Lula left office. If you like him or not, it's another question, but he is our leader. They silenced him. They jailed Lula illegally for two years. Almost paper, the New York Times, CBC, he everywhere talking about more, 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 and that Lula was corrupted which he's not, right? Because it's still nowadays so hard to tell that Lula is innocent because it's logic, it's the principle, right? Everyone is innocent until proven guilty. That's how it is because it doesn't make sense, logically speaking, to say that, oh, yeah, the, the, the Supreme Court overruled, but uh, he's not innocent. Well, what is the sense to have a justice, the prosecutor, Accusing, logically speaking, doesn't make sense, but it's so hard to explain that. So those guys from USA came, 13 FBI agents in Brazil illegally, destroy our companies, Petrobras, Odebrecht, because corruption, let's be blunt, it's everywhere, including Canada with Trudeau. No one talk about that, but Trudeau was involved in kind of corruption with a company here with the, anyway, with a judge. Uh, but we have this idea because, okay, from Brazil is corruption, from Brazil is like, a, for example, NGO, International Transparency Brazil, involved in the election, trying to impose some restriction to some candidates without 200 you know, million of people that didn't know that. So there is not an election, a democracy. 
there is not a state yet, unfortunately, because as you said, you said that it's very hard to see Bolsonaro, you know, he came to power. If you ask me in 2020, I would not imagine that. Not for a, someone from the favelas, right? Because you experience the violence from the police. If you are black in Brazil, it's every single day. So my question, we know that was a coup d'etat, Lula Innocent. You know, there was a, a operation from the USA, the coward operation with a lot of people who is studying Harvard, you have to say that I'm not accusing, but I think you should pay a little bit of attention to that. So my question is, don't you think that it should be better to analyze all those conditions based on colonialism to say that, you know, 2018 is 2022, you're right. If he, there was such a thing as democracy, Dilma would have been power that time back then and Lula would have run in 2018 and that he would, you know, for sure, become the president of Brazil. So my question is, how can you make sense of Brazil in a position that we are played by the superpowers, the USA, European country, either left or right? On the other hand, we have this idea that we have a democracy as a carnival, that everyone is happy, I'm going to vote, but it doesn't translate in structural changes. And we don't need the education to do the minimum that to say that the cowl operation was a coup d'etat in a very well done one. Thank you. So, well, well, let me say, Jonas, start by saying that that you just you just um, opening the door for a, a, a full uh, other session specifically on this, you know, uh, approach reading and uh, of recent events and, and what the answers, the interpretations and answers should be. So it will be hard here to, to dialogue and to, to, to I'd say I, I, it would be a pleasure to have an opportunity to do this session because it, it brings uh, another hour and a half, to say the least, uh, um, um, call for conversation. Um, and I try to first bring this broader, more historical perspective and to some extent, uh, try to provide, uh, I mean, step back and, 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 and provide a description of the process for people that would not be familiar with the, 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 the story. Having said this, um, well, having said this, let me say that um, I mentioned um, um, that for me, 2013, we split between people that that we think that we have we have gone uh, too far uh, from the right perspective, and people that would feel that we were moving uh, forward uh, uh, definitely too slowly uh, from the leftist perspective. Um, I personally, uh, 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 I'm personally located in the second uh, group, so there's no doubt that we. Uh, we were at that time and still are much more now, I'd say far from fulfilling um, the promise of, of, uh, of uh, a true, deep, um, fulfilled democracy, democrat countries and, 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 and a society of universal citizenship, opportunities, uh, acceptable um, and desirable degrees of equality and so on. Um, um, and then we face this, Regarding this, this huge challenge, when but at, at the same time, 
if you take a, in a historical perspective, uh, we can tell the story of 30 years of, of Democrat uh, rule, also of a story of, 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 of doing, making, and, and conquering, that's a bad word, um, a lot of progress that we could never before in our history. So um, um, it's, it's true that the first time we, we had some a move, uh, well, Carolyn mentioned this, this, this emergence of you know, a degree of uh, tackling poverty and hunger in the country uh, that we were able to create opportunities for some sector of society that have never had this kind of opportunities before to approve, not in, a, in an easy way, uh, affirmative actions, uh, policies in the country from the 1990s onwards, and that is opening room for black people to access the uh, universities and, and other space in society, and even to claim a, 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 a clearly overdue um, a, a, a space in the political sphere and the, the, the sphere of power in society. But we, we made some progresses in, 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 in opening room for opportunities and to bring new actors into the scene, even to dispute the scene. Um, uh, we universalize, we, 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 we develop a universal system with, in absolute terms, far from, from satisfactory uh, degrees of quality of health and education, but we managed to recreate that net of, of uh, uh, income uh, distribution and, 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 and transfer. Again, uh, glass half uh, feel it, no, right? But but it's true, and it's true that I think it's important to be able to acknowledge this, because it's it's about defending the the, the Douglas and the value of having at least a formal democratic environment. We would be much worse otherwise, even though we are far from fulfill the, the promise, and not only the promise, the task, no? uh, the 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 debt uh, to use uh, what I think is the is the best the best term. But we have to defend this legacy in a context that this, this very legacy is being challenged and threatened by sector society that will be say, okay, it, it, it does nothing for us. So let's, let's, let's not deepen this, this, this environment, this Democrat, fulfill this promise, reform what has to be reformed. Let's uh, 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 implode this and, and bet on this authoritarian leader uh, 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 with this agenda. So it's a huge challenge for people that would be eager to deepen democracy and deepen citizenship because you find yourself having to defend the status quo because you say, okay, uh, it's far from what we need, but it's better than nothing. And these guys are basically trying to, to destroy and, and to undermine everything that has been built in this decade. So I think this is the context we are regarding the, the fulfilling of democracy. And when I say, if, if, if Lula is clearly, I mean, this, this election, we can't say this now, it's, it's about Bolsonaro or Lula. But I would say if the majority of, of, of actors that are not Bolsonaro win the, 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 this election, we have room to restart the debate on deepening and improving democracy. In this context, we can do nothing better than preserve it and try to retake the, the opportunity conditions to to, 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 to go into the debate and, and they fought to move forward. And even if Lula is elected, we know it's gonna be uh, uh, necessarily coalitional government that has to reestablish the grounds for this democratic consensus and environment. 
and there will be a lot of disputes to, you know how progressive or more or less progressive should be what the agenda should be so people that are in civil society and uh, are very aware that first first step is to is to reestablish the ground and then we have we have, we have to dispute uh, the, the ability to to make uh, further progress but anyway car wash um yeah i think 2018 have, have been car wash um uh, elections. Uh, people say it, 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 uh, Bolsonaro was the expression of the anti-PT, anti-worker anti parties. Philly, I said, no, it was the expression anti, uh, of anti-everybody in the political establishment. It's not, uh, the Workers' Party have made more than 30% of the votes in the first round and was able, even in that process, to go to the second round to, 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 to be defeated by Bolsonaro. Uh, all the traditional parties did 2%. 3%, 4%. So they were banned by, by the electorate uh, upon the grounds of the perception of the electorate was all these guys and all this political system is corrupted, is non-reliable. So we are going with this pretentious outsider. So it was not uh, an expression of uh, anti-workers' party feeling. It was an expression of the anti-political system uh, uh, feeling uh, uh, nurtured by the whole Kawasha process. Um, whole coercive process that were clearly accused and, and biased uh, against the Workers' Party. I think it's, I mean, this is history. There were, uh, I think if you are intellectually honest, you, you will find there is controversy. Okay, we should call this a coup in a strict sense. People would say, no, it's not like this. Let's follow procedural rules. And then you, and for my perspective, rightly say, call, okay, it followed the rules, but it's about coups and authoritarian process that following the rules undermine and deny democrats principles so uh, uh even even if legal in formal terms it's clearly not a legitimate but anyway there will be some debate here i think no one would could serious could honestly deny uh the 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 the, the evidence of a biased uh, judicial uh, process against a, 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 a specific uh, actor of the political system. And, and, and I mentioned this regarding the 2018 election, say, well, the electorate uh, 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 was able to understand this from the very beginning. The electorate uh, voted against the whole political system. And having said this, we should also acknowledge that we have not been able, I, I mentioned about progress of our democratic uh, process since uh, 1988. Um, well, we were able to create some more independent uh, judicial institutions and, and, and it's part of day-by-day -day Brazilian life today. And it's good in, in many cases. I mean, we relied on the, the Supreme Court and the judicial sense to defend rights a lot of times in, in the Brazilian history recently. And it is in recent years, more than ever, to try to put some limits to, to uh, Bolsonaro's authoritarian moves. So we have been relying on the Supreme Court and some important so we created a, 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 a more independent than, 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 than in the past judicial system and institutions. Okay, we, we, we could, but it's true that we, we were not able to overcome a degrees of uh, uh, the entrenchment of, of corruption, of corrupted practice in our public life and, and sphere and of uh, uh, non-Republican uh, uh, um, uh, connection relationship between the private sector and the public sector and the political uh, 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 life. Um, and it was used and instrumentalized 
to uh, 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 um, express a position to the Workers' Party. It was, I, I mentioned it in my paper, it, it kind of was taken as a way to catalyze and channel uh, another, say, less, less, um, uh, how to say this, inconfessable, less publicly acknowledgeable uh, feelings and, and dissatisfactions with the government. So people would say, well, instead of say, hey, it's it's changing too much to 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 fast for that perspective, say they are corrupted. And then even now, people say, okay, I, I do not vote for Lula because he's corrupt. So okay, I can discuss. Of course, the Workers Party at least uh, uh, um, in the Workers Party government at least establish a, a way of 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 um, uh, uh, tolerate. And, and play the, the business as usual in our corrupt and political system and did not, did not deliver the chains that were promised in the very beginning uh, by, by the party. It, 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 it can be true. It's different to say that Lula has become rich and Lula is a, completely different. But it's clearly not a workers' party privilege. It's part of our political lives. And if you wanna, want to take, talk seriously about this, we should talk about our institutional design, structure, and functioning. And because it's clearly is present in the full spectrum of our uh, uh, political life. But even today, people would isolate Lula president to, 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 to present this as an excuse and say, hey, you should recognize that you dislike him for other reasons, uh, not for this specific. It does not make sense that he would vote for other persons and candidates and not for him because, because of this reason, because then you should not vote for this odds. So, Again, it's clear that it was biased. I think we sh it, it should not take us to deny uh, a serious degree of corruption and non-Republican practices in the Brazilian state uh, and Brazilian public life. But if you want to take serious, talk serious about this, I think we should, we should, we should take this more uh, institutional, structural approach than try to, to channel this to a specific political act. And in this sense, of course, bias it and translates into a uh, 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 definitely no, no legitimate uh, 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 parliamentary process that if non-legitimate uh, it's, it's an illegal removal of power or an undue removal of power, a coup. Uh, so just try to develop your argument uh, and, and agree with you. Um, I, I would say it's true. I mean, it's a former colonial country and it's a Latin American country, even if a big one very much influenced and dependent by, very, very influenced from his, his colonial past and very much influenced and dependent uh, 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 from, from, from the West rule and influence in, in the region. So it's definitely true. So it's difficult to identify any significant political moment in Brazil in which, uh, um, uh, say, uh, uh, other countries, in particular the US, uh, have not had a clear influence. It's true for the 1964 coup, coup, military coup. Uh, it's true for uh, the recent process. It's also true for the the, the uh, international the, the the emergence of international uh, reaction against torture and violation uh, 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 structural violence of of civil rights by the dictatorship when Jimmy Carter takes a role in 19, the 1970s. And it's also to recent when the US uh, uh, State of Department uh, uh, expressed his commi its commitment to uh, a, a normal, regular electoral process in Brazil this year and 
and, and, and sends a clear message against uh, 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 the signers of the Bolsonaro of trying to, to uh, uh, deny and refuse to, to concede defeat in the elections and even try to, to make a movement to a coup. And it's still, it's been important. Be, I'm much, very much, I, I did not talk, but I've been involved in the recent years in the initiative called Attack for Democracy that brings together more than a hundred and a half NGOs to defend democracy in the country. And of course, we are at this very moment very much engaged in defending the integrity of the electoral process because Bolsonaro makes, make, makes no secret to anyone that he's keen to follow uh, Trump's paths in, 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 in refusing to, to concede defeat. And if he's able to uh, uh, try to, to do some kind of, in this kind of explicit coup uh, uh, movement. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of thoughts uh, trying to, you know, block this path. And, and, and it was clearly important that the, 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 the Department of State uh, pub, publicized it, uh, sent this message for the Brazilian army, for the Brazilian private sector. Okay, we're not supporting it. Differently, for example, uh, from 1964, when the, the, the US support was quite decisive to legitimate the, the coup. So it's, it's, uh, this influence is clear, it's part of history. I think you're right in this regard. I would, uh, in the other hand, uh, 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 also note that we, that, uh, as I said in the beginning, you have always uh, uh, international and global factors that, that influence the, the local process. But as I tried to bring it in the, in, in, uh, here in the conversation, I think there are a lot of elements that are particular to the Brazilian process, societal process, political process. And we should try to, to, to look at this. But I, I basically, I'm trying to bring the complexity while agreeing with you in, in, in the essential. Of it. And very, very quickly, Caroline, Caroline um, again, it's, okay, middle class. When I mentioned in what I call it the privileged Brazilian middle class, we have this habit in the kind of, of call middle class, what clearly probably should not be called middle class. So. Uh, this it's a it's it's a, in terms of of um, average income per capita, it's a poor country. So it's a rich country. When we take the focus. It's a big country, which means that uh, we have a huge mass of poor people and people that would have a, 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 a pattern of life similar to the middle class in the West or, or, or in Europe or in Canada and you know, in the North uh, are basically people that are part of the 1% of our population. So we call middle class because to some common sense perspective, you know, and emulating our colonial past, okay, it's how someone in the middle class in the West or, or in France or in Germany would live. But in, in socioeconomic terms, uh, uh, we, are, we are here talking about say 1% of if you if you want to enlarge this uh, at least a five percent of our population, uh, but it's just to say that it's not only about you know the farmland farms and 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 patriarchs of the society and the very zero dot one percent of society. We also have this group that is quite politically important and would be happy to ally with with the true elites in 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 preserving the status quo. Uh, in order to defend privilege and access to public resources and, and, and also their place in the, in the hierarchy of society. And I think there's been a lot of, um, whoa, um, malestar, uh, you know, fear and insatisfaction with the perception of society that starts to change 
politically, people from the left will express, they say, these guys are not happy with, you know, poor black people in the airports or, you know, disputing access to public universities and things like that. So there's clearly some tension in terms of, okay, it's true that uh, during the Lula, Lula and the Workers' Party uh, governments, uh, there is this, this well, we, we very much reduced poverty, and we had this, this emergence in terms of uh, uh, um, uh, income and, and, and ability to, to, to uh, consumption power uh, uh, from, from our former poor people, and this, this idea of a new class C, new low middle class in the country. I think that there's been a lot of hype and, you know, much talk about this kind of exaggerated phenomenon, but it was there. My, it's, 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 it's clearly uh, one of the most interesting and beautiful uh, keys uh, uh, for analysis of the Brazilian socio-political phenomenon in recent years. Uh, very briefly, when you look at the um, change evolution of the income distribution uh, um, in Brazil and this among different classes, say from 2000 to 2010 or 15, you find that the, 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 the share of the base of society increases, the share of the very top of society also increases, and this former so-called middle class, high middle class decreases. So these were, these were the ones that, that really uh, uh, lost from this process. If you look at, it's true about Lula's term that it benefited economically, the base of society and the very top of society as well. Um, uh, and, and, and these people in the middle, not really in the middle, in the high middle, uh, 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 and so it's it, you can understand that they at some point would feel threatened by by this process because you know you look up and you see the people from the top going up and and and, and being far from you and, and look below and you see people approaching you and you, you feel threatened if you are very keen of your historical privilege of a stable hierarchical society and at the same time if you look politically People from this new low middle class, you can, I'd say, reasonably claim that uh, not everybody, of course, it's a big society and complex society, but a significant uh, part of this, this, these groups would embrace this new liberal uh, uh, agenda in Brazil and, and a conservative uh, approach and say, hey, but these guys will benefit by by Lula's government and the Workers' Party government. Let, why, why they would do this? And I think. My hypothesis here, my claims here would be um, first, a classic phenomenon of you know, kicking the stairs. These guys, and, and very much a lot, a lot of people from the left to say, hey, we're very much focusing on increasing the consumption power, access to you know, income, and so on. We did not focus in expand a, a, a sense of citizenship and citizenship in values and democratic values, and then it converted into these guys. To, to use uh, 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 an image of a very central Brazilian rapper, Manu Brau, he, he would say, yeah, these guys were able to buy a, a, you know, a house or, or, or uh, in a car and you now have some more you know, uh, facilities in the house and TVs and DVDs and, and, and so on. And then they, uh, in the, Brazil, in the uh, urban peripheries, and, 
and now they are uh, they, they 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 are fearing that they can be robbed so they are embracing this you know tough on crime conservative you say but it basically a allegoric way may say okay you have this economic uh, uh, move, but not really a, a collective concept. And, and at some point, it's classic not only in Brazil, in sociological terms, this reflects of kicking the stairs. Okay, now you should entrench our what we conquer, basically. And then I think it comes together with the emergence not only of the morally conservative approach of the um, neo Pentecostal evangelic church, but also what we call the theology of prosperity. You know, you, uh, you can be successful, it depends on you, it's about your merit and your effort, which can be good to some extent. I mean, these are in a, in a uh, adequate degree. I mean, in many cases in life, the difference between poison and, and, and medicines is the doses. So it's good that people would feel, you know, empowered to try to move forward, to afford, to, you can do it. But if, if you go up with the doses, then it translates into, okay, it's about me. Uh, I, I want nothing from the state. I've done myself alone. Now I want to pay less taxes and for the state to provide good services and, 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 and open them for a liberal conservative. So I do, do, do not, I do not need and want and do not need it. It's about my marriage. And since I, I, I was able to, to make this movement, then I, I would embrace a more liberal agenda, you know, less taxes, less, less constraints. I can, you know, sell this wood, fish here, mine there. And let me do my, my business, let do my stuff, and also refuse public regulation. So it can open room for a predatory uh, and, and, and non, uh, uh, say, citizenship-based uh, approach. And I think it happened to some extent with these, these actors. Um, and, and I think it explains a little bit the fact that when you look, for example, there is Movimento Brasil Livre, young people, doing uh, in, uh, that was quite significant in the in the process against former president Dilma and embracing car wash operation and and creating new political actors in in the right of uh, and and if you look sociologically okay these guys are basically people from this low middle class when you look at the biography the backgrounds of those those young people they are they are they are fruit of this so i'm just suggesting of course i can talk about a lot of new uh, 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 very inspired public leaders in the country that are also sociologically part of this process that are embracing rights. And so again, it's a complex society that's not generalized here. But, uh, uh, and I think it opened the room when you take this former old high middle class threatening and this emergence affluent new actors trying to kick the stairs and embracing these conservative, religious conservative values and liberal uh, agenda, you kind of open the room for a new phenomenon that I think explains some part. Jonas brought another very important parts of the political phenomenon, but the, the space that would provide the, 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 the societal support for this, this new conservative uh, and, 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 and right um, a political uh, a phenomena, and then, and then you have this 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 miscellaneous because then Bolsonaro, of course, no one is elected by fifty in Brazil without the vote of at least part of the base of society because it's a poor, a very unequal country. So of course, many poor people voted for Bolsonaro. When you look for the, the votes socioeconomically, it's very clear Lula 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 against by far in the very base of society. 
and then and then start changing little by little. And Bolsonaro still wins today, and uh, and um, uh, the 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 elite, no, no, the elite people that would be uh, well, I'm not going to details here, but anyway, wealth people. Uh, very, uh, clearly very much support more Bolsonaro than Lula and vice versa when we look at, but a lot of poor people embrace Bolsonaro. And then we have this kind of coalition between poor people embracing conservative values. And I think here the, the role of the new Pentecostal church that I would say would reignite something that is entrenched in the very original Brazilian religion that just brought the Catholic church in the past. So it reactivates something that was already there. But anyway, and then there's this debate, Lula now is saying, hey, you have hunger back in the country. We have low salaries, high inflation, and this tragic economic context. You should vote for these reasons. And Bolsonaro is basically claiming, okay, these guys are pro-abortion, pro-new drugs policies, and, and, many, and then other, a lot of fake news and, 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 and things, I mean, a little more you know, crazy. And, and, but anyway, he's basically claiming you should vote upon um, moral values regardless of the fact that the economy is not really doing now and you are suffering. And basically, this is, this is the, for Lula is claiming that issue. So this is the dispute, but basically Bolsonaro managed to, to provide, to, 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 to open space the base of society. I would say mostly upon conservative values. Uh, in the top, in the early, trying to pretend that he would be a liberal champion. And in this, this space of middle class, I would say there's a mix of these two things, and I would argue a non you confess unconfessable, can I say this? A non-acknowledgeable uh, agenda of defending privilege and denying public regulation. This there's a sense that you know I can be racist, I can say whatever I want, I can cut the 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 trees that I want, I can fish whatever I want, I can use or not a seat belt in, in the car, I can do my business as I want. So there's a kind of, uh, of what I call this predatory spirit that I would argue that he had based a lot. And this explains also an important part of the uh, non-publicly non expressible embracement of, of things. So there is a kind of combination of different reasons for different people to, 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 to support, and, and I think this, this explains the fact that he was at some point able to be elected. But to go back with Jonas and finish with this, uh, it's everything, all of this is true, but it would be impossible for him to be elected without the car wash and the car wash environment uh, 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 that has been created from 2014 in the case up to 2018. I mean, this created a very extraordinary uh, uh, environment of denial of the political system uh, and truthness and, and, and democracy and, and room for this, you know, this kind of authoritarian pretend, potentially um, outside leader to say, let's implode this, let's put all this in, uh, and, and to express this value. So, of course, it was quite decisive for someone like him to be elected. So, there's a perfect storm. Um, swing vote to, to conclude. Well, you see. Uh, empirically in, in, in 10 days. And then if there is a second round in, 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 in the end of, by the end of October. Look, since 1989, the Workers' Party has at least 30, 35% of the Brazilian electorate. Even in 2018, having faced all of this 
attacks and, and, and it had this. So uh, there is in our, in our uh, and if you go back to the history, the, 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 the uh, uh, labels, uh, movements and, and political expressions, since there is a, something that you can call mass democracy in Brazil, it's true. So a third of the electorate uh, is here. Uh, at, the at the same time, if Lula wins in the second round now, it's going to be the, the first time the Workers' Party is able to, to win in the, in the first round. So um, you always had in the other side uh, until the other day, uh, represented mainly by the so-called Social Democrat Party. And I say so-called because it started more or less like this, but it became kind of a center-right uh, 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 party that would have the same third. And, and you had space for a swing vote. And, and so we have a 35 parties, a lot of different stories. But if you reduce this to terms, basically there is no end. At this moment, it's incredible how consolidated it's more than ever. It feels like, okay, we're going to be debating, discussing a lot of things. And at the end of the day, Bolsonaro is going to have 30%, not much more than this, not that. Lula is going to have 40 something percent. And then in the second round, Lula is going to incorporate a lot of 15% and Bolsonaro. So it's very easy to, I, I would not predict this because we learned it in, in recent Brazilian and uh, elsewhere elections in the US and in, in, the, in the United Kingdom that, okay, there is some, some base of our ability to predict that ha, have been challenged by recent results. But say, to use in our, our science and, uh, as much as we can, it's incredibly consolidated. So I think the, the space for swing votes is very much reduced. And now for the next 10 days, there is this question is whether, uh, not that Lula is gonna be able to, to bring support to win in the, the first round for the first time, but basically to what extent there will be a feeling that, hey, it's consolidated. Let's do the second round uh, uh, now. Like, you know, uh, we already know that it's Bolsonaro or Lula. We already know people that embrace the, would embrace this very fiercely and, and, and vice versa. So people that would not in the first round vote for one another, just like few, okay, let's, let's, let's come to a time, let's, let's finish this. So basically we are gonna see if you're gonna have the second round in the first round, like this phenomenon of, okay, we already know, uh, or, or no, but, but I, I see very, very uh, few space for, and the, our tragedy, I'll finish with this, Caroline, in, uh, is that the, 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 the progressive vote is there, have been there, is stable, even in 2018, this basic vote. And basically after the democratization process, we managed to have, uh, as I said, the, the PSDB, like with a, a center right approach, uh, but playing within Democrats, uh, uh, the Democrat space, and you know, much superior to the former tradition of clearly authoritarian, hierarchical, uh, uh, racist, uh, uh, misogynist, etc., pattern of part of our political society and spectrum. And these people would vote with support the center right, so we had a more stable Democrat space. And this center right was imploded as well by the, the process of this, as I said, uh, and it opened the room for, for the far right to 
to conquer this, this otherwise more reasonable moderate vote. And there is a big question that it, it was impressed how Bolsonaro was able to keep this even after four years of government and close the room for, and there, was a lot, there were a lot of candidates in the center right trying to, to uh, regain this space. Bolsonaro was able to keep it. It's just like similar to what the dispute in the Republican Party in the West right now. Is Trump being able to, 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 to not only take, but consolidate his grip over the Republican Party and made the Republican Party his party or not? And I think we're gonna, we, in the very first, in the, this four, four years, Bolsonaro was able to, 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 to keep this grip. If he's not elected, then another question is, is he going to be able to, or it's gonna, it's gonna uh, 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 you know, come back and we are going, we're going to see the emergence of new center-right or even full-right political parties, political actors, but able to play the, 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 the role in a, in, a, in a more democratic space. It's, it's something to be seen. Thank you so much. That was a really wide ranging discussion. Um, and thank you too, Jonas. I think um, as soon as you asked your question, I was like, oh yeah, my question was actually pretty naive when we consider the context of car wash. Um, so thank you. Thank you both. Um, thank you, especially Jose. This was, this was really excellent. And we will hopefully all now be watching the elections closely in 10 days. Is that what you said? 10 days? Uh, nine days right now. Nine days. <laughs> um, yeah, so Counting thank down. you. Thank you. Yes. I'll start counting down too. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Um, thank you to the audience for being here as well, especially those of you who have stayed. We've gone a little bit over, which is nice. It's been a, it's been a really great discussion. Um, so just to alert the audience that we do have another talk coming up next week. So following pr pretty closely on um, with Dr. Brian McCundy um, uh, called, or it's about um, it's, a, it's called Before Roads Must Fall, Grappling with Ngugi's Philosophy of Education. So that's in a week. So we hope to see you there. Um, so yeah, thank you again, Jose, and thank you everyone else for being here. Really appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. My pleasure again, Caroline. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. See you all next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.